there's not many things that are more pleasant, more enjoyable than having friends and family join together, huddled around a campfire. It brings comfort. It brings satisfaction. It brings warmth. It makes that that cool but pleasant summer night that much better. It makes the jokes that much funnier. It gives you the opportunity to make s'mores. We're thankful for that fire. A few things are as beautiful as the sight of the launch of fire lanterns into the night sky. Uh, if you've ever seen it, it's amazing. There's a picture of it there where, where fire, just wrapped in paper, does this wonderful thing and just drifts off into the night sky. The original lighthouses, including the Lighthouse of Alexandria, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, those original uh, lighthouses contained fire. Now they're, they're electronic, but before they had fire. And it brought safety on a dark night. It brought clarity on a, a foggy setting. And many times they didn't just uh, alleviate fear. It, at times it saved lights, uh, saved lives. James does not mention any of these wonderful attributes of fire. Instead, what he talks about is the destructive, uncontainable, uncontrollable, unpredictable, irrevocable evils and force of fire. And he uses it in relation to our tongue and our words. James 3, verse 3 through 12. Now if we put the bits into the horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pirates, of the pilots, not of the pirates, but that's, you know, or pirates, either one. James, he was hip of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And it's set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God from the same mouth. Come both blessing and cursing my brethren. These things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh 
I find something very, very interesting and obvious in this passage of Scripture. Friends, this passage is about steering the course of our lives. In verse 3, it talks about a bit being used in the mouth of a horse to steer it. It says, now if we put uh, the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. I'm not really a horse guy, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I got this right. I'm pretty sure that a bit is as simple as, as an uncomfortable rod put in the mouth of a horse pulled against the back of the mouth to to irritate the horse into into obedience where you want to go. Is that pretty is that pretty accurate? Okay. Verse four talks about a rudder that is used to steer a great ship. That's a horse. <laughs> and then let's go to this next one. There's the rudder here. It says Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder. There's a rudder. Now, I don't think these were the ships that James was talking about, but it's, you know, it's old nonetheless. There's rust there to prove it. And then in verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire. It says at the beginning of, the, of verse 6, and then the end it says, And sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. All of these, these three examples in verse 3, 4, and 6 are examples of steering. See, there's a bit in the mouth. But there's got to be somebody who's on the horse holding the reins. There's a rudder that's small and that directs the ship. But there's someone at the wheel. And then in verse 6 it says that the tongue is a fire and sets on fire the course of our life. Who is steering your life? Who is in control of your life? Whose impulses do you follow? Yours? God's? Satan's? This is important not just to focus on the heaviness and even the, the negativity of, of this passage that talks of destructive forces. Let's focus on the most important thing. Who is in control? Who have we yielded to? Who have we surrendered to? Who is it that calls the, shot, that calls the shots in our lives? Look, once again, James 3.3. 3. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds are still directed by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Two questions. Who is the pilot of your life? It's either going to be you or it's going to be Jesus. The pilot of my life, it's either going to be me or it's going to be Jesus. Either I'm the one who wants to call the shots, who wants to have the reins, who wants to control the pace, who wants to bring direction, 
or it's going to be Jesus. So the first question was, who is at the wheel of your life? Who's holding the reins? Who's the pilot? And then number two, even in the midst of the strongest winds of circumstance in our life, do we do what our pilot Jesus desires? Do we oblige him his desires and inclinations for our lives and through our lives? Do we let him have his way? Do we give him the reins? Do we allow him to be behind the wheel? If we don't, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Really, what's the worst that could happen? Let's pull up that picture of that fire again. What's the worst that could happen? Utter, uncontrolled destruction. And James uses it in context of talking about our tongue. Just as we started off talking about, let's just leave that up there to to make a point. Leave that image up there. We started off talking about the warmth of the campfire, the beauty of the, the fire lanterns, the necessity and the guidance of the lighthouse. But friends, the the destructive force of our tongues, when they are not submitted and yielded to the godly order of Jesus Christ, they bring destruction. And it happens quick, guys. It happens quick. Any kid who has ever made the mistake of playing with fire and thinking it could be contained in this small reason and then freaking out when the destructive force just takes over, knows exactly what's being talked about. In our state, we're very vulnerable to fires. And there are times they start with stupidity. <laughs> they start with stupidity. They start with, with carelessness. They, thought with, they start with thoughtlessness. Stupidity, carelessness, and oftentimes thoughtlessness. If we're just quick to let this thing have a life of its own and to have its way, the result is damage. Verse 5. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And sets on fire the course of our life. And sets on fire the course of our life. Do we believe that? Do we believe the tongue can set on fire the course of someone's life? I will say this. It can do it for the good or the bad. It can set on fire the course of people's lives for the positive or or for the negative, with life or with death. If anybody was tore down by someone in their life who spoke words of death, you're a bum, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. Those are words that tear down, but they set the course of life. On the other hand, if you start speaking life, you are loved, you are valuable, you are precious, you are awesome, you are God's. God's got a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. There is meaning to your life. I don't know why you're going through this, but I'll I'll walk it with you as we see how God turns it. That sets the course of life. 
and it's set on fire by hell. God bless James. He just comes straight with it, man. He's like, I am not going to pull any punches. We're not going to sugarcoat this. For every species of birds, of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of our Lord and Father. Think about the hypocrisy of that. We're made in the likeness of God. So with it we bless our Father and then we tear down a brother who is made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things not ought to be this way. I mean, if a rudder can control a massive ship and by the use of a little bit, a strong, magnificent horse can be controlled by a child, surely you and I through the spiritual gift of self-control that has been given to us and flows through us, surely we can control our tongues and our actions, right? Maybe. Last week I talked about maturity. I talked about perfection. That word perf- perfect means to be mature, to be whole, complete, lacking nothing. I made the statement last week that it was an if-then statement. If we do this, then we get this. So, through self-control, can we control the tongue? If and only if we give control to God. Of your own strength? No. I think James is accurate. Of your own strength? No. Because it's just going to spew death at the times when death is stirred within us. In Philippians 4, 4, 8, it says, These things that are noble, that are right, that are true, that are praiseworthy, Think on these things. Think on these things. Why is it important to think on the goodness of God? Why is it important to think, to think, to dwell on things that are right and true and pure and holy? Because whatever we think on is going to come out. It's going to come out. Whatever we dwell on is going to come out. Whatever we entertain and let fester or build or grow is going to come out. And there's an encouragement that James has given for us to grow up. And I made that statement last week. Friends, let's grow up. Let's walk in maturity. Let's let the completed work of God be full in our lives. He wants to grow us. So we look like Him. We sound like Him. We think like Him. We act like Him. I know who that kid's dad is. Man, looks just like his dad. Looks just like his dad. Who's his dad? God, the king. Man, everything that kid says. You know, that kid might be Harold's age, you know, so Harold, you know what, like late forties or something. But you know, that kid looks just like his father. That kid acts just like his father. That kid, man, sounds just like her father. Control. We give control to God. 
There's something cool that we see here in James chapter 3. We see a building, a progression that James kind of takes us through when it talks about the tongue. First, the first phase of this progression, it points to the, the multitude of evils contained within and prompted by impure speech. Then the second phase warns that the whole person becomes corrupted by the uncontrolled tongue. Then the third phase, it adds to corruption the picture of destruction and extends it to the whole course of the person's life. And then the fourth phase provides the climax and says it comes from hell itself. The source of the tongue's evil straight from the pits of hell. And then he makes a conclusion simple. He sets the scene. He makes the declarative statement. The writer of this letter, James. He says, The tongue is impossible to tame by any man. And he's right. Verse 8, But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. He's right. He's right. No man can tame the tongue. He's correct. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus who conquered death and our deadly tongues. That's why we need Jesus. The tongue might be a restless evil and full of deadly poison. But our our victorious Savior, Jesus Christ, He's not restless. He never sleeps. He's fully rested. And He's not the least bit intimidated by by the, the deadly poison that's contained within our tongue because He conquered death. And He has spoken life. And by the life He speaks over us that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven, that we are whole. Those words that were backed up by his actions. We can conquer death. So we don't fear the tongue. We don't fear the tongue. But friends, what we absolutely must do is reverently fear our God. Fear our God. Have reverence for our God. Not fear like, like oh no, he's going to punish me. Fear like, I'm in awe. I'm humbled. I honor you. I, I revere you. That's that, that's holy fear. The only fear, I, I have fear of not being in his presence. I'm addicted to being in his presence. I have to be in his presence because there's fullness of joy there. And I don't want to walk my life without fullness of joy. I don't want to walk my life in a partial, in a partial portion of joy or a type of joy. We reverently fear God and we give all honor and trust and praise and control to Him. And this is why in humility we cry out to God of our own free will and we give control to Him and we give our lives to Him. Friends, I don't just, I I didn't just do that when I was a boy and I first gave my life to Christ. I do that Every day of my life, my, every day I yield my will to Him. Friends, every day we yield control to Him. Lord, I want Your impulses to reign in my life. When you've got a zany 
impulse, I'm there. I'm with it. You ready, Mark? Because this is going to be... It's going to be awesome. It's going to be crazy. You ready? I want to totally rock your world. Turn left. Now! Hard left! Lord, I ended up in someone's yard. I know. They'll be out in a second. When it comes to the tongue, there's such power in building people up. In speaking life. In just agreeing with God. You guys, if we're believers, it's easier to just, it's easier to speak the heart of God than it is to speak the heart of us because that's what's in us. So just speak it. You know how much He loves us. Just speak it. Just declare it. And I heard it said, and we're taking a, a class uh, on understanding the prophetic that Jim and Pam are teaching. And there was a statement in it that said 90% of the prophetic is simply speaking the positive what we already know to be true about God. Confirming what we already know to be true about God. And he just wants to say it. He wants to say that. He wants to declare his goodness and his love. The power of life and death is contained in the tongue. The warning that James gives... It's valid. It is true. It is real. It is valid. There's supposed to be maturity. There's supposed to be growth in our life. And if there's not, we can be a spoiled, rotten little brat who says horrible, mean, nasty things and who gives way to impulses. Ours. Or or the enemies. But not our fathers. Who is directing the course of our lives? I think I've probably asked that three times. Now, I'm dead serious. Have you answered the question yet? Who's directing the course of your life? Who gets his way in his life? You or God? Because I, I don't think... The only way we can get our way and be satisfied is if we're giving God his way. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end in disappointment and bitterness because, Lord, I thought, I thought you had good things for me. He's like, I thought you gave me control. I thought you gave me your life. I thought you placed your trust in my hands. Because I had an awesome plan, but you took it out of my hands and you wanted to run with it. And I'm a gracious father and I give you free will, so I let you run with it. Can I have it back? You gave it to me. Who is in control? Who is steering? Who is holding the reins? Who is setting the course? Does God get his desires in our lives? Or do we? Do the inclinations and impulses of God direct us? Or are our lives just tossed by the waves of circumstance? First Peter 6-7 through seven says this. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory 
and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Once again, we see the beauty of fire. It refines. It refines gold. It refines our faith. And our faith is more precious than gold. But it becomes more precious than gold through that refining process, through difficult times. Hey, if, if only for a while. There's difficulty you walk through, but just as gold gets refined by fire, so will your faith. The proof of our faith refined by fire results in what? The proof of our faith, according to the scripture, refined by fire results in what? Praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. With what do we give God praise? The tongue. The proof of our faith is to come out via our tongue. The glory of God, the honor of God is supposed to be shouted and declared and raved about with what? With our tongue. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Friends, have you received the revelation of Jesus Christ? Is He good? Is He awesome? What about His love? Have you gotten revelation of that? What about His grace? Have you gotten revelation of that? What about them who might not have the revelation of that? How are they going to get the revelation of Jesus Christ? With our tongue. With the enemy intends for harm. For evil. God will turn for good, but it requires a yielded life. It it requires a surrendered life. It requires relinquishing control. Trusting that His ways are better than our ways. That His plan is better than my plan. That what He can do with my life is better than what I could do with my life. Even though He's given me some things that I'm so thankful for and I think are pretty cool and unique. But they're not enough. I trust His plan better. I trust His ways better. I trust Him more. Our freely given and yielded lives, including our freely given and yielded tongues, are meant to bring glory and honor to God and to reveal Jesus Christ and His great love and His completed work. No man can tame the tongue, this is true, but Jesus Christ can and did. He demonstrated it. And when we give Jesus control of our lives, we give Him control of our tongue and and the The tiger is tamed. The lion is tamed. The beast is caged. Because he gets his way. In my life, he gets his way. In your life, he gets his way. You're going to blow it? Yes. When? Real soon. Real soon. Real soon. But since we have the revelation of Jesus Christ and his grace, then we we don't live in shame so quickly going, gosh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gosh, I love you. And what I said doesn't indicate, you know, it doesn't reflect my love for you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? We, we, we apologize, which is, we do that because we're kind people. And then we repent because we trust God. And we're like, Lord, I, I totally agree with you. My actions didn't demonstrate that I agree with you, but I totally do. I'm, now my actions are going to follow the Lord. Our tongues have purpose, just like our lives have purpose. 
and they're to be used for the glory and the praise of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to bring glory and honor to God and to reveal Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.